1: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome into the
0: Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff producing the show. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Core Water. Going to the gym right after the show. Going to get my swole on, but I'm going to make sure I hydrate with Core. I'm telling you what, great taste in water. Uh, pH balance to match your body's pH at 7.4. Big blue cap, giant suck holes so you can hydrate uh, properly. You can find Core Water anywhere that water is sold, 7-Eleven or any grocery store. Core Water, hydrate with core.com to find out more information about the
1: great uh, product and the great folks over at Core Water. So it sounds like um drinking the Core Water is the only part of your workout routine that you do correctly because what wow. I saw this weekend, oh you you posted a couple pictures of you working out and all the, fitness it was one video. all the fitness gurus on twitter like tore you apart for your awful form and technique too <sighs> much swaying during your standing curls i know people are stupid like, <laughs> if like, like
0: people are so de- like some guys like you're not going to reap maximum gains hey like Whoa. oh gosh almost mm. You're not going to reap maximum. Okay, so, so some guys like you're not going to reap maximum gains if you sway the dumbbells. You know, lower the weight. And I, listen, listen, turd breath. I'm not looking for maximum gains. I'm already yoked. I don't need. I'm playing for the tie. I don't need maximum gains. I'd actually like to lose a little weight. I'd like to actually get a little bit smaller. So you know what? I've done more lifting and I've done more of that crap over the course of my career and my life. Than any of you criticizing me on Twitter. Twitter's a cesspool of idiots. Um, you know, there's a few good guys on there, but for the most part,
1: they're idiots. So, yeah, I posted They did a- get under your skin under on this one though, and they'll get they consider that a win. I know, I you know, know. People it- on Twitter are going for a win like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, so you're giving them a win. No, I'm, I'm I didn't give them a win on Twitter. Well, maybe I did a couple of them. <laughs> if if me. Give them grief is a win. So I, you know, I mean, I did not realize that every time you sign up for Twitter, it automatically comes with a uh, certificate of personal training. Like you get a, a, a personal trainer certificate with it. So I did not realize that everybody on Twitter was a uh, certified personal trainer. So good for you guys on Twitter. Now there is a. The Rock cert- responded to me though.
1: The Rock did respond to you. Yeah. So that's a win for me. That is a win for you, especially yeah. since it got like half a million views, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks to The Rock. Well,
0: I mean, I mean, so it gets half a million when The Rock re- retweets it. It would have gotten a couple hundred thousand with me, right? Not bad.
1: Yeah, I Not bad. Have been Not fine. bad. Now, now, when it comes to Twitter, you're right. There's a lot of negativity out there, but one, there is a team out there right now that seems to be the darling of all social media, everybody's getting on the Browns bandwagon. Did you see the press conference introducing OBJ? You know, OBJ says he wants to come to Cleveland and become a legend. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry said he cried when he found out. He was so happy. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield was like, whoop, whoop, holler, holler, yeah. and, you know, and all excited. So, so Baker Mayfield said he had a dream about playing with OBJ. So what do you know? Even... The Wise Guys in Vegas. It takes a lot to kind of move a line. The Browns' win total has already jumped up three wins to nine for, for next season. They're the favorite to win the AFC North. I I here, Here's what I'll throw out there for everybody listening. You have the team that you root or follow for, right? Mm-hmm. That's always going to be your number one team. I would argue that beyond that team— the Browns are the most interesting team in the NFL right now. I know. I I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I,
0: I just think it's really interesting, though, Mike, because you know this is one of those things we we get duped into believing, like talent wins, like like championship. It just doesn't. It it doesn't ever equate in my mind. Right, character is what drives talent towards greatness. Talent doesn't drive character. It's never the opposite way. It's character that drives talent. And I always look at a situation like you have in the Browns where you've amassed a ton of talent. You have. Well, that talent's got to be willing to work together to be able to sacrifice. Like when you have two alpha guys playing wide receiver in OBJ and Jarvis Landry, and there's only one football to go around, are you going to be able to maintain a level of professionalism a level of, hey, we're rooting for one another? A level of, hey, man, I may not have caught any balls today, but, man, I made some great blocks and helped my team win? Or are we going to get to the point where it's about target counting and I didn't get my targets today, and then you become a problem? I, I, I can't answer that question. Only... Only the season will answer that question, but they have a mass talent. There's no question that this is one of the most talented teams in football. Look at their their offensive backfield, what Baker Mayfield did last year. Now they've got the receiving core. Defensively, they've got outstanding pass rushers on both edges. I mean, they have done some things to make this team worthy. Here's the great things. Expectations are awesome, right? Right. To have an expectation of your team is great. I guarantee you one thing. The Cleveland Browns ain't going to sneak up on anybody. There is so much hype for this football team that I, I guarantee you, having played in the league and understand how players think, when you hear nothing but hype about this Cleveland Browns team and, oh, how great they are and Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., you know, and Miles Garrett and what they've done on the defensive side and, you know, yada, 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 and, and, and they become they become the only thing anybody talks about, you develop a target on your chest from any every other NFL team that's not getting the same shine. You think the Pittsburgh Steelers? All all we've heard all season long about the Pittsburgh Steelers is what a dysfunctional mess they are. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is you know part of management, and this team stinks. And Antonio Brown you know played his hand and left the organization. Like you don't think they want a piece of the Cleveland Browns? You don't want to, You don't think they want to say, hey, we're going to keep you right where you've always been? Like all of a sudden, there's expectation, and you're no longer the sad sack browns that hey they'll keep it close but you know what once we step on the accelerator you know once we step on the throttle um we'll be fine like you're going to get people's best shots it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how this this plays out and i'll be like i'm guilty I'll raise my hand
1: i'm fascinated to watch it cuz what you're saying logically it almost seems like it's it's too big of a leap that you're asking them to take mm-hmm. from being the Browns right. to all of a sudden being a team that great things are expected of. But things came together quickly for Jacksonville to the point where they were that close to going to the Super Bowl. You yourself played for a Broncos yeah, yeah. team that won two Super Bowls, okay. but the year before that you lost to a Jacksonville team right. that was you know, young and They just got on a roll and and ripped through the playoffs and upset you guys. So why can't they do it?
0: What happened the second year when there were expectations for Jacksonville? Remember, the year they almost went to the Super Bowl, they had New England on the ropes and they ended up beating the New England Patriots, who then ended up subsequently falling to the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, right? What happened the next year to Jacksonville? A lot of expectations. A lot of expectations, and they didn't even sniff it. It wasn't close. Defense broke down. You know, all this highfalutin, we've got the best defense, and we've got all three levels of our defense, and, and on paper they do. How was that defense last year? You know, offensively, we're going to beat people up. We're going to control the line of
1: scrimmage. We're going to run the ball. How'd that go last year? So your point is, is that Jacksonville got those expectations, but they were based on – a really good team that nearly went to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. these expectations surround a Cleveland team that still went right. below five hundred last well, year. Well the
0: other thing is is that when you were Jacksonville the year you went to the AFC championship two years ago, nobody had any expectations of you. You flew under the radar. The teams you played you flew under the radar on. And you know you physically punched him in the mouth, and you you played pretty good football. And remember, you I think you beat the Steelers twice in that one, one time. You took you picked off Ben Roethlisberger five times. So I mean, there's a little bit more of sneaking up. There were no expectations on you. Now there's expectations. You know, Jacksonville, there were some expectations. Hey, you guys have a great defense. Hey, you know, you've you got a cornerback in, uh, in, in, what's the kid's name, uh, Ramsey, that just does nothing but talk smack and uh, and went through a whole litany of every quarterback in the NFL and told them, like, that guy's garbage, that guy's garbage, that guy's garbage. Like, you put a target on yourselves. And everybody stood up and couldn't wait to shut you guys up, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what went down in Jacksonville. So, there are expectations, real expectations on the Cleveland Browns right now for the first time in two decades.
1: So, who carries the bulk of the burden of those expectations? Is it Freddie Kitchens, the first-time head coach, or is it Baker Mayfield?
0: I think it's Baker Mayfield. Like, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to perform, and you did it. You answered, you know, you answered the bell last year and you performed exceptionally well. But again, you're not sneaking up on people. And you know how coordinators are in this league. As As you become more and more prominent, you know, they figure out more and more ways to force you to the things that they don't think you're good at. Um, we shall see. There'll be some changing of, you know, what goes on. Obviously, the personnel changes. Um have happened. I like what Freddie Kitchens did last year. I like the rapport he has with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, having talked to Freddie Kitchens last year about Baker, uh, his knowledge of the game, his ability to be a student, his kind of quote-unquote photographic memory, if you will, all served him exceptionally well last year. But again, expectations. There are expectations on this team that they haven't ever had. They have never played in the last two days. Not, there's not one person on the Cleveland Browns right now that has ever had an expectation. Other than, hey, you guys, if you win, you know, if you win more than four games, we're going to have a parade. Like, that's, this is a different deal. People are expect, people are, you're a dark horse Super Bowl contender. People expect you to win the division right now. You're expected to win this division. I'll tell you what, this is, you think, you think that pisses off the Steelers? How about the Baltimore Ravens? You think they're just going to roll over for you? Oh, wait. Yeah, they got a lot of talent. Let's roll over and take one. Uh Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. So it's it's interesting to see how this is going to play
1: out. Speaking of the Steelers and their former Mm ever-humble Antonio Brown, oh, just dripping humility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the latest is that uh, A.B. has come out and bragged about the power play that he used over the Steelers to get himself out of Pittsburgh and that he will serve as an inspiration to others. And are we seeing maybe right away some examples of that here in Denver? They started their offseason conditioning program, and Chris Harris Jr., widely regarded as certainly one of the top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL, maybe top five, paid as the 24th highest-paid cornerback right now in the NFL, is a no-show. no show is, is this Antonio Brown driven? Um,
0: interesting. You know, Antonio Brown, I-, I love how all of a sudden he's become this altruistic martyr for the league. Like, hey, guys, you know, they were keeping me down, even though I was the highest paid receiver in the league. and. You know, and they weren't uh, respecting my, uh, you know, my opinion or they, you know, I mean, all of a sudden he's this, you know, I mean, this sympathetic figure that, you know, he was oppressed and, and he held out and got a great deal from the Raiders. Like that was that move was not about opening the doors for every other player in the league. That move was about I want more money. That's what that was about. And he got it to his credit. He got it. And I will give him this. It is going to empower other players. And I have talked to guys throughout the league that are like, this is a bad precedent to set. You know, this is this is troublesome. These Be- are
1: this is NFL management NFL types. Management types. types, yeah. This yeah. is a
0: bad like think about it. Like nobody's really, and I'll give him credit, nobody's really ever done it. Now you have to be willing. Here's Chris Harris Jr., who is being paid eight point five million dollars going into the last year of his contract. He signed a five-year, forty-two million dollar deal. It was a great deal. You know, it's been a great deal for the Broncos. Um, Chris Harris Jr. is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Josh Norman making fifteen, Patrick Peterson making fourteen and change. You know, all these guys that are higher paid. He's making eight and a half million dollars, and he's basically saying, "You guys need to." You guys need to pay me. I'm one of the top five corners in the league going into my eighth year. I'm 29 years old. I'll be 30 this year. I got three more great years, maybe four more great years left. You need to pay me. And I agree with them. They need to pay him. The question is, are you willing to be an asshole? That's the question. Because you've got to be willing to be vilified to all of a sudden you know, be, all of a sudden, not to be the most beloved Bronco walking the streets of Denver anymore, you have to be willing to become a villain. And does Chris Harris Jr. have that? He's taking the first step, not showing up to these voluntary, mandatory. You know, I mean, there's, I know they're mandatory, but come on. They're, 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 they're voluntary. They're not mandatory. I know they're voluntary, but they're actually mandatory. You know, like th- they, they take role. Like if they were voluntary, there would be no coaches around, you know, peering out from their offices. There would be – nobody would be taking role. You know, they wouldn't be monitoring who's there and who's not there. These are not voluntary. They are mandatory. And he's taken the first step to put his foot down and say, I want a contract. Now, John Elway, the general manager, had said, I won't deal with you from a contract standpoint until after the draft. So this to me is the perfect time you think about leverage and you don't have it very often as a player. So when you have it, you got to swing that hammer. Now that's easy for me to say sitting here because I never would have done it as a player, you know, I was I was too scared. But like you've got some leverage. Think about this. John always says we're not going to do it till after the draft. Well, swing that hammer now. Because I guarantee you, that's what they did in free agency. They went after Kareem Jackson, right? They went after uh, Ryan Callahan. They went after and they bolstered their defensive backfield. They got two new corners to start. And they've got Chris Harris Jr. under contract. If all of a sudden you say, man, I ain't showing up. As a matter of fact, I demand a trade. I go Antonio Brown ballistic nuclear on you. And now all of a sudden your draft, you you may have been thinking, hey, we got to get a, hey, Vic Fangio has a history of drafting, you know, linebackers that are three-down players, and that's the direction they're going in, and now all of a sudden, your best corner is saying, Austin LaVista, baby, going full Schwarzenegger on him. I'm out of here. Now all of a sudden, that changes your draft plans, right? Like, this is where you have a bit of leverage as a player, and I'm with Chris Harris Jr. You know, everybody, uh, we got it on the text line today. I just got it on Twitter. Uh, this is be, this is beneath him. He needs to honor his contract. He signed the contract. He needs to honor it. That's the, the, the noble thing to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but when the team doesn't want to honor a contract, which they don't every single year, they'll just dump him. They'll cut him, right, wash their hands and move on. So he's got a bit of leverage right now. Probably more than he'll ever have. Um, This
1: is a great time for for Chris Harris Jr. if you're willing to be the villain to do that. That's the key. Because if you go back and look at the divorce between Antonio Brown and the Steelers, the Steelers had him under control for three more years. They could have really played the long game and won. But I would argue that he caused such a headache that they had to move on from right if he doesn't do all that stuff mark if he doesn't go and do videos and go on social media and just go scorched earth is he still still a stealer yeah i think he is yeah but he got it to he he became such a pain in the ass right and it worked that the Steelers had to move on because they couldn't bring this guy right. back into their room. He went so,
0: after management. He went after the coach. He went after most importantly, probably Ben Roethlisberger. Right.
1: So here's the thing: if you're a player and you're looking at Antonio Brown now, and there's the Antonio Brown toolkit to, to purchase, mm-hmm. to, this is the way to get out of your to get a, a new contract. Right. Are you prepared to be an asshole? Yeah. And how many guys who, you think are prepared to do that? Who do you go after?
0: Like honestly, in this town, you so want to if get you're, if
1: you were talk about Chris Harris?
0: Yeah, if you're Chris Harris, who
1: do you go who do you go after? You got to start you got to start taking shots at John Elway. Absolutely. You know, he's not dealing in good faith. Yeah, he's, he's not, not. He's the, forgotten it, what it's like to be a player. Right. All that stuff. Absolutely. You go after the organization
0: and the organization is John Elway.
1: Oh, man. But if <sighs> But see, but see, here's the thing, is that there, there are some players that hold leverage, and then there are players who don't. If you're a New England Patriot, and mm-hmm. you're unhappy with your contract, you don't have any leverage. They've got a winning formula there. They have proven in the past they can move on from players. They've got Belichick. They've got Brady. They've got a winning legacy. They can let you go. You don't have leverage. Pittsburgh. You know, even with Pittsburgh. You know, that Pittsburgh's still Pittsburgh, and you know how much how much leverage do you have unless you're willing to go full nuclear mm. but if you're a team like the Broncos and there are a lot of teams like the Broncos who are in a position where we're really we're hanging by a thread here. We're trying to build something. We're trying to establish a culture. We've got a new head coach mm-hmm. who comes in, Mr. Old School, you know, and he's talking about death by inches and all that stuff. And you know when you get into your off-season conditioning programs and all that, your coaches, everybody's going to be preaching about buy-in and commitment and loyalty and brotherhood. How can you preach all that stuff and then have a guy who is one of half a dozen holdovers from your Super Bowl team and is widely respected and beloved, how do you put the screws to him and still try to, with a straight face, sell all this stuff? So there are some players are in situations where they probably have more leverage than others. There are some players you
0: can't mess with. In my mind, within an organization, there are some players who have earned so much respect – from the other players within that locker room that if you mess with them no matter no matter how you you know no matter how you spin it the locker room will turn against management and you'll create a division uh between upstairs and downstairs between the locker room and the management side that you you'll create a chasm that you can't you you, you just can't get over and that's that's what you risk and and I will say this with Chris Harris Jr. This is an undrafted free agent from what? Kansas State. Um oh No, from Kansas, Kansas. Excuse me. Kansas. An undrafted free agent from Kansas who, uh, who made himself one of the great corners in the National Football League that is certainly going to be a ring of famer in Denver who is on track to be a Hall of Famer who has been one of the best slot corners in football for the last, He's been starting and playing for eight years, but one of the best slot corners in football for the last five. And those are the kind of guys, in my mind, that you reward even if it means you gotta eat a little bit at the end of their at the end of their football lifespan. And you risk as an organization, you risk the players. Looking at you like everything that comes out of your mouth is bullshit. And you know what you you know what happens when that happens? And this is a terrible like this is a terrible football term. Because you can't win this way. You become an independent contractor. And when you're an independent contractor in a team sport, you know who you're looking out for? You're looking out for you. And you'll create a locker room of independent contractors. And in my experience, having won three world championships in this league, you cannot win when guys are independent contractors. This is the ultimate team game. It's the ultimate team sport. It's the ultimate kind of jump on the hand grenades, sacrificial kind of uh, do, do it for the team sport. And um, if management... Is preaching one thing and doing another thing. Every guy in the locker room goes up. Ah, can't trust these guys. I've been part of it. I've seen it happen in front of my eyes. You know, in front of my own eyes. I've seen it happen, and that's that's the kind of you know all, all the fans that are jumping on the bandwagon saying Chris Harris needs to honor his contract. No, 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 no. This is the Broncos better understand that they need to honor Chris Harris. Not he needs to honor his contract because you are on a very slippery slope and it only takes a very small, like a very small push to have you sliding down that slope when it comes to a guy like Chris Harris Jr. That's all.
1: Thus end the les- lesson.
0: Thus endeth the the word. <laughs> and the word was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back later on in the week. For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, uh, for Mike, biblical yeah, I know. for Scott, for Mike, myself, uh, <laughs> and for our presenting sponsor, Core cool Water, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you later on in the week.